right. Hey, if you've got a Bible, I want you to open up right now. Let's go to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Uh, we are digging into this chapter for the whole month of December, kind of looking at this passage of Scripture as we talk about Christmas kind of a, a different way. We're looking at Christmas in a different light today, um, kind of in a way that maybe you've never looked at it before. In fact, this isn't even normally told with the Christmas story, but I want us to look at this passage of Scripture kind of like it is the Christmas story. We're talking about this idea of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said he came to establish the kingdom of heaven. So uh, what, what did he mean by that? And, and what was it? what's the whole reason that Jesus came? I think we all have this idea of why we think Jesus came, and, and some of those uh, perceptions are correct and some of those are incorrect. And, and I think sometimes we have kind of a... Um, a little, just a glimpse of who Jesus is and what he was really all about. And so what I'm hoping is during this series, we can all discover the, the real reason why Jesus came and, and why he's here. And so I, I encourage you to, if you weren't here last week, go listen to the podcast. We talked about the kingdom of grace last week. We're going to be here next week talking again about this series. I think it's important for you to be here every single week. So turn to the person next to you and say, I'm going to be here next week. We'll be here next week, okay? Matthew chapter 25 is where we're going to dig into. I'm in the New Living Translation. If you're new to Core Church or new to church in general, um, we have free Bibles. We'd love to put one in your hand. At the end of the service, come up here to uh, the front. We'll give you one. Um, also, they're back at the Next Steps room. If you want to get one there, we'll give you one there as well. They're absolutely free. Or if you have a mobile device, uh, go to corechurch.com. You can download a Bible app right there. And uh, it's real easy to find Matthew. It's the first book of the New Testament. Here's who Matthew was. Matthew was a follower of Jesus. Jesus had 12 disciples. So if you're brand new to church, you're like, who is this guy Matthew? Matthew followed Jesus around, and then he wrote down the account of Jesus' life. And so we know what Jesus said. Jesus never wrote down anything, but his followers did. His followers recorded what he said, and, and they were inspired by the Holy Spirit that we would have this book, this holy book, uh, to learn who Jesus is. So if you're a guest here today, man, I just want you to tell you, you're on a level playing field with everybody. Nobody here is perfect. We've all jacked up our lives. We've all made mistakes. We've all sinned, and it's by the grace of God that we're saved. So I don't want you to look around and think, oh man, I'm the only imperfect person here. No, we're all imperfect. We're all a little messed up. We're all here just absolutely hoping that we can just learn a little bit more about Jesus. Isn't that why we gather every week? I want to learn just a little bit more about him. I hope that I can become a little bit more like him. And kind of that's our hope today is that today, if you're new to church, that you can just kind of learn a little bit more who Jesus was and, and explore that and maybe become a little bit more like him. So Matthew chapter 25, and uh, we're going to start in the middle of the chapter in verse 14. Jesus tells a parable. This is a story, so this is not a true story. He's just telling a story to illustrate a point that we're going to talk about today. Jesus says this, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And he then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money. He earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver, he also went to work and he earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver, he dug a hole in the ground, and he hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip. He called them to give an account of what they'd used their money for, and 
the servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver said, hey, master, you gave me five bags to invest, and I've earned five more. And the master was full of praise. He said, hey, man, that's a great job. You're a good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'm, I'm going to give you more responsibilities. Let, let's celebrate together. And isn't that kind of how it works in the workplace? You know, you do good for your boss, and, and, and you invest well, and you do that. You get a promotion, you get a raise. That's kind of what he's talking about here. The servant who had received the two bags of silver, he came forward. He said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said the same thing to him. Well done. You're good, and you're faithful. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. And I, I was afraid I would lose your money, so I, I, I hid it in the earth. Look, 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 here's, here's your money back. The master replied, you, you wicked and lazy servant. If, if you knew I harvested crops, crops, craps. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a truth, though, right there. That, that's God-inspired right there. If you knew I harvested crops, that's going to be so on the podcast and YouTube. Thank you very much. Uh, I have harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate. Why, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I, I could have gotten some interest on it. And then he ordered, take the money from this servant, give it to the one with the ten bags of silver, and to those, he says this, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance, but from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray together. God, for your word today, we believe it is inspired by you, and we believe that you've given it to us um, as a gift. And I thank you for it today. And I want to ask you, church, if you would, just to pray for those around you. Uh, you may know them, you may not know them, but um, you can pray out loud or don't have to pray out loud, but let's just pray for one another right now that we can hear from God. We're here to hear from the word of God. God has a specific word for each of us today. Pray for your own heart that all distractions would be set aside. And then pray for me as your pastor that I would be faithful to the text, faithful to what God once said. And if you're ready to hear and learn today uh, from the Lord, in Jesus' name, give me a big amen. amen. How many of you know what this is? Anybody know what this is? Yell it out if you know what it is. It's a selfie stick, the, said the self, selfish people in the crowd. Um, <laughs> kidding, I love you. I'm kidding. Uh, this, is, uh, this is actually my selfie stick. Ease up, ease up, you judgmental people. This was a gift. I wouldn't call it a gift, but somebody gave it to me as a gift. I don't know if it's a gag gift or why they, they gave it to me, but I got it a couple months ago. I've never used it. I... I I, I can't because my honestly my arm is a selfie stick. That's how tall I am. I have like a seven foot wingspan. I don't need one of these. Um, but uh, if you if you have a selfie stick, I won't make you admit that right now because you just it would be just horrible for you right now in this place. Uh, but I um, I thought it would be cool today if maybe I could use it for the very first time, and I want to take a church selfie. Is that is that cool with you? All right, so I've never, I, I practiced a little bit with this, but I've not actually posted anything before. So what you do is you take it and you plug it in like this. And let's see, you turn it on. All right, so far so good. Got to get it to the front-facing camera, which I never use. 
All right, and then um, this is the cool part. You've never seen it. This is the selfies. Look at that. That's amazing. Okay, so I want everybody in this picture. So um, let me go. <laughs> I want everybody in this picture. Everybody crowd in the middle. Everybody crowd to the... I'm kidding, okay? Nobody's moving anyway. All right. Okay, so um, let's see here. I, looks like if you're sitting in... Which section wants to be in this picture? Because I can only get like one section. Okay, middle section, you can just go home, okay? Because y'all are lame, all right? Y'all like, three of you are like, woo, woo. All right, okay, so you know what I'm going to do? I'll just take a couple of them, okay? All right, and later I'll make a collage. Okay, so this section first, here we go, are you ready? All right, and, oh, it did it. Okay, all right, and the middle section, here we go, middle section, smile. All right, and uh, how about over here in this section, the big one, here we go. Oh, that's, that's good. All right. Okay, now let me make sure that came out. Um, I'm going to get to the word, I promise. Um, but I thought it would be kind of cool. You know what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to post this right now to um, my Facebook. How many of you got a Facebook page? You got a Facebook? Everybody get out your phone. We're going to participate right now, okay? So uh, get out your, your phone because right now I'm going to post this, and I want you then to find it, and then you'll have to send me a friend request if you're not your friend. And I'm going to, um, I'm going to put this as uh, Core Christmas. And I'm going to tag it um, Christmas. That's, that's nice. Thank you. Okay, Christmas. Uh, and then I'm going to hashtag it here because hashtag is the way to go. Um, let's see here. Church selfie. How does that sound? Church selfie. All right. Um, yeah, okay. And then I need to pick one of them. Let's see who looks the I'm just going off of who looks the best here. Where's my, where did it go? Oh, wait, here we go. I think this is it. Uh, oh, yeah, okay, okay, here we go. Um, wow, that is a really terrible picture. Oh, well, I'm taking it anyway. Okay, so, uh, all right, so it's, uh, this is the one I want. Okay, I want this one. Uh, I don't want to create a slideshow. This is ridiculous. I've never done this before. Okay, so uh, give me, oh, here we go. Okay, um, so that's the one I want. Oh, good, okay, I got it. I got it. Hang with me. I'm new to this, okay, and I'm posting it now. Okay, so here's what I would like for you to do is just go to um, my face. I want you to like that, or I want, if you see yourself in there, then I want you to um, uh, hashtag it. And I, I, our Wi-Fi here stinks, so it's going to take like 10 or 15 minutes for it to load. So, okay, so it's, st- it's still loading. But that, the, my, my point on this is this, is that our, our, we live in a very selfie culture right now, do we not? We are self-absorbed. We, we can't take a picture without us being in it. Do you remember the days when you could actually take a picture and, and it would actually, uh, you know, you didn't have to be in the picture? Do you remember those days? But nowadays, you've got to be in the picture. Somebody told me this. I didn't even know it was on my phone. They have a selfie folder now on your phone. How many of you knew that? You have a selfie folder. If you have a new phone, get out your phone right now and look at your phone and look at your selfie folder, okay? How many of you have a phone, a newer phone with a selfie folder in it? Raise your hand. Okay, the rest of you were going phone shopping for Christmas, okay? So, thank God I looked in mine. Mine has less than 10 because I felt like, oh, man, what is this going to be like when I look in there? But there's actually less than 10 in mine, and so I, I felt, felt pretty good about that. And, and so it's, it's almost posted. It's getting there. It's getting there. It's just, just going really, really slow. So I know some of you are like, where is it at? I don't, I don't, I don't see it. But, it, but, it, but it's coming. To prove just how selfish we are in our culture, when you take a picture... What's the first thing you look at in that picture? You, right? 
We look at ourselves. How do you judge whether it's a good picture or not? Based on what? How you look. Because we are just, let's say this together. I'm a selfish person. How good did that feel? Not good at all. I mean, turn the person next to you and say, I'm a selfish person. It doesn't feel good, does it? I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't set with you. It doesn't, it doesn't, some, hang, 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 hang on. Some of y'all are like, it's about time you admitted that. I have known that about you for years. We are coming to church more often. He is preaching up in here today. That's not what that exercise was for, all right? Uh, but we are all a little bit selfish. But man, we don't want to say that. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't, doesn't sit right with us. So let's try it. Let's, let's practice this one. I'm a generous person. That felt good, didn't it? Turn the person next to you, the person you just said that to, and then turn back to that person you said I'm selfish to and say, I'm a generous person. That just sets well with us. That just feels good. We, we, all, we all want to be known as a generous person. That's what we want to be known as. And, and so in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. He came to establish the kingdom of heaven. And last week we talked about that the kingdom of heaven was this kingdom of grace. And today what I want us to spend just a few minutes talking about is how Jesus came to establish the kingdom of generosity. The kingdom of generosity. His desire is for all of us to be generous. He came not only to set you free from your sins, but he came to set you free from yourself, from your selfishness, from my selfishness, for thinking only about me. That is why Jesus came. So let's go back to the text, Matthew 25. Let's go back to verse 14. Jesus is talking here, and he says this again. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip, and he called together his servants, and he did what? He entrusted his money to them while he was gone. What's Jesus saying here? This is a story. It's a parable. Jesus is saying he's the guy going on the long trip. He's, he's the man. He's the master. And the trip he's talking about is he's going to the cross, going to be resurrected, and he's going to ascend to heaven. And we know that, that he, the long trip he's going on, Jesus is saying, I'm going back to the Father. And, and the servants in, in this story are those of us who put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. So if you're here today, and you're not a follower of Jesus, you are not the servant in the story, okay? So I'm gonna be clear, clear on this. If you're not a follower of Jesus, the servant in this story and what the servant is required to do is not required of you. But if you are a follower of Jesus and you do claim salvation under the banner of Jesus Christ and following him, you and I are the servant, okay? We are the servants in this story and he has left us in charge, so I, I want to give you a couple things here, okay? First of all, if you want to develop a lifestyle of generosity, it, it, you got to understand two simple things, okay? And I'd like for you to write these down because if you can't get these two things locked down, you will never become a generous person. They're simple and very difficult to live out. So here's the first one I'd like for you to write this down. I have it because God gave it. I have it because God gave it. Let's practice saying that together. I have it because God gave it. Turn to the person next to you and say, I have it because God gave it. Listen, this is whether you are a follower of Jesus or not, every 
living, breathing human being has what they have because Jesus gave it to you. That's why you have it, okay? And, and if you don't understand that, the, the easiest way to understand that is, do you, remember, do you remember when you were a teenager and you thought everything belonged to you? Well, these, these are my clothes. This, this is my room. This is my stereo. This is my car. This is my, 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 my. And then you got older, right? And then some of you had kids, and then you just reflected back on that, and you go, I didn't own jack squat. <laughs> Do you remember that? I mean, as a teenager, and if you're a teen here today, I am preaching up in here, okay? The, your parents are loving me right now. They're, they're like, I'm coming back to this church every week. This guy is amazing. If you're, listen, because if you're a teenager, or when you were a teenager, you had it because your parents gave it to you. But you thought it was yours. This is what Jesus is saying in this text here is everything that you have has been given to you by me. You have it because I gave it. It's, it's not mine. He owns it. And here's this. So the first one is I have it because God gave it. Here's the second one. God has entrusted the care of his kingdom to me. I want you to write that down. God has entrusted the care of his kingdom to me. The easiest way for me to illustrate that is to say that this way. You ever, you ever see a need in our community, an injustice that's taken place in our community, or maybe you see something on the news, or, or you drive by something, and you just, you just you know it just isn't right, and you ever find yourself saying this? Man, somebody should do something about that. And somebody should do something about that. That somebody is you and me. That, that somebody, and I'm talking to those of you who placed your faith in Jesus. Those of you who didn't place your faith in Jesus, this ain't up to you. Those of you who placed your faith in Jesus, what, what Jesus is saying in this story is, guess what? You're the servant. You're the one who have been trusted the care of my kingdom to. I'm leaving this planet. I am not going to stay here in my human form, and I am ascending to the Father, and I'm going to leave all of you in charge. And I'm entrusting the care of it and the needs of this world to you, so that somebody is you and me. And in this story, we see that the master gave each servant a different amount, didn't he? He gave one five bags of silver, another two, another one. And when we read this story, and some of you have heard this story before, most of us self-identify with the one-bag person. Come on, somebody in here. How many of you are one-baggers? Come on, raise your hand, one-baggers. Come on. Oh, you're, you ain't raising your hand because you know I'm about to just throw the fire down right now, aren't you? But we think we're one-baggers, right? Well, if I had it, I'd give it. You know, one of these days, one of these days when my, when my train comes in, I'm, I'm going to give it glory. Glory. I'm gonna, I would help. I would do my part, but I just, I, I, just, I just don't have it. Can I tell you today, and we're going we're to prove this together, is we are all five-bag people. Get your phones out. Get your phones out. We're all five-bag people, and I'm going to prove it to you right now. I want you to go to this website. Hopefully, it'll load. Worldwealthcalculator.com. Okay, you're going to be able to participate right now. You're going to be able to figure out how wealthy you are right now, how personally wealthy you are. World Wealth Calculator. Dot Com. Okay, hopefully this is going to, what, what did I say? Worldwealthcalculator.org, sorry, not .com. Thank you, thank you for yelling at me. Um, every pastor loves that. 
Okay. So is it pulling up? Are you guys able to pull it up? I don't know how our Wi-Fi is working. If you got it, raise your hand if you're able to pull it. Okay, some of you, okay, some of y'all have it. Some of you have to get to it later. Okay, worldwealthcalculator.org. Now scroll down, and there you can put in how much money you make in a year, okay? So I want you to put that amount in there right now. You just put in whatever, whatever that is. And here's what I'm going to do for the sake of argument, just for the sake of time. I'm going to put in $60,000. Now where did I come up with that number? I looked it up online, and I discovered that the average income, household income, uh, in the state of Oklahoma and specifically in Tulsa County is on average $60,000. Now I realize some of you are, are below that and you're like, <laughs> wow. And some of you are way above that and you're like, dang, okay? And so it's somewhere in the middle, but let's say it's, it's $60,000, okay? So when you go to worldwealthcalculator.org and, and you go there, it'll pull it up and it'll show you that if you make that amount of money, you are in the top one percent of wealthiest people in the world. Top one percent. In other words, right now in the world, it says that there are 6.5 billion people wealthier than you. And if you scroll down, you'll see that it says even if you make about $30,000 a year, you're still in the top five percent of wealthiest people in the world. Turn to the person next to you and say, I am stinking rich. I mean, we are all, we are all rich. But in this, in this, in this story, we see that the, the three servants were entrusted with the master's money, and the, but there was an expectation that they would invest it. And here's the thing, as Americans, we're all rich, but the truth is we're not all generous. And here's how I know this, okay? I'm throwing a lot of stats today. Normally I don't do a lot of statistics, but I think this helps us a little bit. I went to the IRS website for this information, okay? And it tells on the IRS, based on income tax returns from last year, how much Americans gave. And I was impressed. It said last year we as Americans gave $260 billion to charity. That's pretty good. $260 billion. Now, on average, that's about 3% of our income. Based on the IRS, they say that Americans, in their generosity, give away about 3% of their income. So if you make $60,000 a year, that's about two grand of money you're giving away. Can I tell you that if you're not a follower of Jesus... I think that's pretty good. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you're generous without even having Jesus, that's amazing. The the reason you want to give is because you were created in the image of God. So even if you're not a follower of Jesus, there's just something intuitively in you that says, I want to be generous. I want to give. You know why? You're created in the image of God and God is a giver. For God so loved the world that he gave. John 3.16, he gave. So when you look at this, so you got to say, well, how, how, did, how did the followers of Jesus do in this? You, surely we outpaced most Americans, and the truth on that is no. As followers of Jesus, those, those who turn in their tax returns, 3%, those who claim to be followers of Jesus and turned in their tax returns, 3%. We don't look any different than culture. Like those of us that are followers of Jesus, our 
We're, we're, we're trending at the same amount as those who are not followers of Jesus. And, and when, I, when I see that statistic and I, I look at it and I, I just think to myself, should, shouldn't those of us who, who claim to follow Jesus, shouldn't we be the trendsetters? Shouldn't we be setting the pace? Like, shouldn't we be far out giving anyone? I mean, we follow the most generous person to ever walk the face of the planet, Jesus. We follow a God who is exponentially generous, who teaches us to generous, be generous. Why aren't we generous? Even in Scripture, the principle and the standard that we see that God gives to us is 10%. As followers of Jesus, the standard and the principle is right at about 10%, but we, we're not even close to that. We're just hovering right around where culture is at. See, we don't feel rich, but we are, and feel generous, but we aren't. We don't feel rich, but we are. We feel generous, but we're not. So you got the servant with the five bags and the, and the two bags of silver, and it says they invested it and, and they doubled it, but the servant with the one bag, he, he buried it. Why, why did he do that? Look at verse 24. He answers him, Master, I knew you were what? A what? A harsh man. Harvesting crops, you didn't plant, gathering crops, you, you, did, you didn't cultivate. The, the, here's the thing. The servant didn't understand who the master was. He did not understand that the master owned all the land. He, he didn't understand that the tools he was using were given to him by the master. He didn't understand the job that he had was given to him by the master. In, in other words, he was taking ownership of something that didn't even belong to him. He didn't understand the principle of generosity. Man, that happens to us so often, does it not? Well, this is my house. <laughs> this, this, is, this is my car. Man, this is my job, this is my income, these are my earnings, and to be frank and honest with you, I mean, God just sitting up there in heaven, he ain't doing nothing. He's just sitting up there on his throne, barking orders at me, asking for my money all the time. I'm the one doing all the hard work. I'm the one earning this. I earned this, I deserve it, I get to use it for me. You sitting on your little throne up there, you ain't doing nothing. This is what the servant is saying. Could it be that those of us who wear that badge as followers of Jesus, who make these big, bold claims of all that Jesus can do in your life, and, oh, man, this is what Jesus does. He just sets you free. Could it be that we're not really free? Could it be that you and I are maybe in bondage ourselves. See, I have it because God gave it. That's the truth. Turn person next to you. Say it again. I have it because God gave it. He provided the roof over my head. It don't matter what neighborhood it's in. He has blessed you beyond anything you could ever imagine. I've been to third world countries I've talked to pastors who have electricity. I was like, oh, you got electricity. That's, that's awesome. Uh, his electricity consisted of one light bulb hanging in his living room. 
his bathroom was an outhouse. I'm rich. I'm blessed. I don't know why God put me here except for only one reason. Be generous. He can give me all this for me. He didn't, he didn't bring me all these blessings and put me where I'm at, give me the money he's given me so I could just spend it on myself. That's the American dream. That's the American way. That's the American culture. We, as followers of Jesus, got to learn to be countercultural. Okay? Get outside of America. It's not, it's not like this. You go to places like Africa, those people that are so incredibly giving and so unselfish and they're so, so free and we've gotten so captivated in ourselves and God is giving me this. If we, sometimes we twist it around. We're like, well, I don't think God's sitting on his throne and doing all that, but I do think that God is giving me these blessings and God is blessing me. I understand that. But we think that the blessing was given to us for us. It wasn't. It was given to us so that we could give it away, so that we could give it to others. Problem is, we operate from a position of lack. This is what happened to the servant. Look at verse 25. What are the first three words here? Let's say this together. I was I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. In other words, the servant is like, man, if I, if I, if I had five bags, if I had two bags, I mean, I, 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 would, I would give it. I, I would totally have done what those guys did, but I, I just have one bag. That's all I had, and I was I just so scared that I was going to lose everything. I couldn't give anything, and so I just hid it, and, and I sat on it. And how often do we do that? How often do we operate as followers of Jesus Listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus, of course you operate in lack. Of course you operate in fear, because it's all on you. It's 100% on you. But as followers of Jesus, we are tapped into the abundant resources of our Father who loves us unconditionally. We're not to operate in lack. We're not to operate in fear. But yet we, we do. We act just like this servant. We sit there and we sit on our wallets and live in fear and lack. And God says, no, 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 no. I want to bless you. Here's what happens, too, is, is when you operate in fear and lack and you, and you sit on your wallet, money becomes your master. It owns you, and it tells you what to do. It tells you where you can spend it, how you can spend it, why you're going to spend it, and what you're going to spend it on. It owns you. Money becomes your master. But, but when you stop sitting on your wallet and you get free and you make God your master, now you become the master of your money and you start telling your money what to do. Now that's freedom. That's freedom. Like I could start telling my money what to do. Yes, you could start telling your money what to do. But here, here's the thing. I think for all of us, the one thing we need to first of all know is where's my money going? Like, I don't even know, am I, do I even know what I'm spending my money on? And as a church, we want to help you. We want to come alongside you, and we want to help you. Because we believe that every resource we have has been given to us by God, and we're to be a caregiver and a caretaker of that resource. So when you leave today, out on the table, when you leave, is going to be this little pink workbook. And it's free. We're not going to charge you for it. These things cost. But bless you, sister, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Wow, that was a good one. We have a workbook for you, though. When you leave today, 
It's free. It's gonna, listen, what it's going to do, it's going to help you to know where is my money going? How much money do I have? What am I spending it on? How can I get myself on a budget? How can I figure out where my money is and where it's going? And how can I use it best in the kingdom of God? It's an incredible tool, and it's out on the table. When you leave today, they're free. I want everybody to grab one. Because we've got to start being good caregivers of the resources that God has given to us. Because here's what happens. Is when G- Jesus says, when, when God's your master... And money is no longer your master. It frees you to be generous. You're you're never going to be in lack. Look at verse 29. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have what? And a what? And abundance. They'll they'll have an abundance. In other words, you may have heard this if you've been in church for very long. You can't outgive God. Say that with me. You can't outgive God. Turn the person next to you and tell them, you can't outgive God. Listen, I stand strong on this principle. I have been a tithing person since I was six years old. Some of you heard me tell this story. My mom and dad, I go to Sunday school class. They would say, you're going to tithe off that allowance I gave you. So I'd be there with my nickel or my dime. And they would have to tell the Sunday school teacher, make sure you get his tithe because I wouldn't give it. (laughs) I would hold on to it. Oh, laugh if you will, like some of you. So anyway, I'm I'm kidding. Uh, So that was tough, wasn't it? That was a tough word. That was, whoo, somebody fan somebody down in here. But I, I, I've, always, I've always done that, e- even when I was in lack, even when, listen, there were times in my life where I, I was, it had unsteady employment. It was out of my career field, and I was getting up at 4 a.m., and I was throwing newspapers, and I was uh, digging graves and cutting hams and doing anything I could to survive and, and put food on the table for my family. And all during that time, I was tithing, giving my 10%, not out of duty, but out of love to my father, out of, out of love to Father God for what he's done for me, for the for freeing me, for setting me free. And here's the thing I've learned. In 31 years, well, gosh, longer than that, 40 years now, 41 years. I'm getting old, man, people, I'm getting old. I've been doing this for over 40 years. Never one time has God left me hanging. Never one time. Now, some of you are like, God's left me hanging. I would challenge you, are you giving? Are you generous? Because I've never met a generous person who said, God left me hanging. Laura and I, we just gave a week ago in, in the giving thanks offering. Because I believe if I'm going to ask you to give, I need to participate. I need to be a part of that. If I'm going to ask you to tithe, I better be tithing. I better be giving my 10%. Laura and I, we try to give above that and beyond that, and we do. Because we want to be exponentially generous in our lives. I don't ask you to do anything I'm not doing. So last week I did that when a car needed a repair job. So a car is parked at the curb, and I'm giving money online that could go towards fixing a car. Then on top of that, later in the week, another one of our vehicles breaks down, won't start, won't go anywhere. I'm like, really? This is is what I get for giving. This is what I get for giving. Take it into the repair guy. He looks at it. He fixes it, calls me back. I said, how much is it? He said, $6. Nobody charges you $6 at a mechanic. I said, that doesn't even cover the labor. He goes, I know the part was like 6 bucks." I go, I know, but I should owe you for the labor. He goes, no, you don't owe me nothing for the labor. That's God's economy. That's how God works. I had somebody knock on my door this week. Hello, Brad, you need a free rick of wood? Dang straight, I need a free rick of wood. So I asked him as we were piling up this rick of wood, how much do you get for this? He said, 100 bucks. 
God just gives it right back. God is a giving God. He's looking for people that are generous. And he's saying, I want to give. I want to give to you if you'll be a blessing to others. But then there's also this warning, and we got to get to this warning. This is the warning he gives to those of us who aren't generous. And I wish I could just close right now, because wouldn't it be nice if I just close right now? Just close and be done. But I know what y'all are thinking. I know you've been thinking it for the last 20 minutes. You've been like, when's he going to get to that gnashing of teeth part? Because I heard him talking about that at the very beginning. Let's read that, okay? Second half, verse 29. But from those who do nothing, even what they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whoa, that seems kind of harsh, does it not? Can we be honest? That's kind of harsh, isn't it? What little you have will be taken away. He calls, he calls those, of us, those of us that follow his name useless. <laughs> Going to throw me into darkness? Where there's... Why would Jesus say that? Because Jesus says, I've entrusted you with my money to care for my kingdom. And you just sat on it. Because... You're giving into the kingdom of God. Why is this such a big deal? Why is the kingdom of God such a big deal? Because the kingdom of God, this is about the spread of the gospel. This is about the gospel of Jesus Christ and about others coming to know him. And why would we sit on that when we, can, when we can give and it can make that kind of an impact in the spread of the God? That's why Jesus is so intense about this. He's like, don't sit on it. This is about people coming into a saving relationship with me. This is about the restoration of families. This is about marriages coming back together. This is about people who are bent and twisted in sin and shame and getting free from that. And those of us who have experienced that, wouldn't we want others to experience that? At Core Church, we believe in that. Absolutely believe so strongly in giving that we practice giving 10% even as a church. In fact, in 2015, this year alone, it it's, appears we're going to give somewhere around $40,000 away to others, to like Abba Center and Nazarene Compassionate Ministries and Nazarene World Missions and the spread of the gospel to help the least, the last, and the lost help start churches around the world. It's not our money. We're, we're going to give it away. We, we, we practice that. But here's something else we practice. We, we give away about $1,000 to every single person that calls Core Church home. Here, here's what I mean by that. To you. Like, if you're here today, this church, if you're brand new, is going to invest over $1,000 in you. If you've been coming in 2015, we, we've invested over $1,000 in you. Why? Because you matter. Because you matter. Because there's a God that loves you and because we love you. And it's our sole purpose and, and hope that each of you would come into a saving relationship with him. Stand up, Ryan. Pick on you. This is Ryan. I've known Ryan long enough that I could pick on him. So this year, step out here. This year, we 
are investing over $1,000 in Ryan's life. Why? Because we want Ryan to know the hope of Jesus. Because we want him to be able to grow in his faith. Because we want him and his wife Nikki and their family to be solid. That they fall in love with each other. That they, they grow old together. That their kids grow to know the hope and the faith of Jesus Christ. And then you got little Levi. Oh man, he's asleep. question is, can God trust me with what he's entrusted to me? If you to bow your heads. God, you've given us a big challenge today. Search our hearts in this moment. We desire to be generous. If you're a follower of Jesus today, cry of your heart is to be generous and you're saying God make me a generous person would you just lift up your hand in this place God make me a generous person raise up your hand if you desire to be generous raise your hand right now let me pray over you keep your hand up just lift it up God right now men and women across this auditorium are crying out to you make me a generous person say that with me 
make me a generous person. One more time, make me a generous person. God, may many come to know your name because of the generosity of your people. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you into a saving relationship with him today. He came, he's a giver, he loves you. I want to ask you today, are you ready to follow him? Because you may be here today and you're like, man, if this is who Jesus is, I want him. I want that. Just pray this prayer with me. Whether you're far from God or maybe you one time you were committed to him, but you walked away from him, you say, I need to come back to him. Make this your prayer. God, I, I thank you that you're a giver and I recognize my selfishness and I'm asking you to forgive my sin. And man, that, that, that idea of my sin and shame and being twisted up inside myself, that's me, God. And, and would you do that today? Would you take my sin away? Would you make me new? Would you make me new today? I choose today to put my faith in you, to follow you made you that your prayer today I don't want to embarrass you I just want to know who you are so I know how to pray for you would you raise your hand you made, you made that your prayer today today I made a commitment to follow Jesus or I'm coming back to him I see you thank you anybody else Man, thank you so much I got you all right thank you God for everyone today who's made a commitment to follow you we praise you in Jesus name and the church said amen let's give God a hand clap for what he's doing in this place